Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 408 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host Dave and joining me this week is... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm doing well. This will be our our last show of 2023, this will be. So uh, yeah, we're obviously going on Christmas break after this. We will be back at some point in January. Don't know exactly when yet, because I am on holiday for the start of January. So it's going to be maybe a little bit later than usual, but there will be some uh, other podcasts going out in between as well. So uh, before we do all that, though, what have you been up to? Yeah, we're in that point of the year to start to wrap things up. Put out the last United cast yesterday, last gaming talk, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and i've recorded a bunch of stuff for the break as well so that's cool yeah i've been watching uh harley quinn i actually didn't realize i was a little bit behind on it because I, I remember that it started and then apparently it's on like episode six i've seen the first three of them episode three it's uh, this is of the new season which yeah. doesn't include the special at the moment but we'll get to that very very good so far probably i see i would say it's dc's best ongoing thing which i thought before anyway but now obviously we've winded down with so much of dc DC stuff because things have either finished or been cancelled because they've only got a couple of shows left but very very good very nice to have that back we usually seem to be waiting a while for that they continue developing the characters really well and stuff um, obviously what's going on between Ivy and Harley Quinn is is really good it's been interesting the um, obviously I won't go into spoilers some of the characters they've chosen to uh, kill off has been kind of interesting but yes. um, I like what they're doing with that and I thought I'm, I remembered um, in the last season whole back family thing and that had like an interesting angle it could take and I enjoyed that in sort of the early parts of the uh, new season as well are you caught up with that I'm, I'm only not caught up with it because I didn't know how many episodes were out so. <laughs> yeah well they've been putting two episodes out a week so oh that might be why that right, was okay. probably why you're behind but I'm up to date on it and I, I know what you mean about the characters they decide to kill off in that it is a really good show what I do like about it is it evolves each season as well well, cartoons have traditionally had this sort of thing of you do a sort of monster of the week kind of thing and then the whole situation just resets and whilst they have a theme for each season it advances and changes you know you've had that relationship between Harley and Poison Ivy evolve over those three seasons but you've also had Harley in slightly different situations and Ivy in slightly different situations as they've gone through it as well which I've really liked what they've done with that you know I, I think it's been a, a really interesting thing and you've also got different characters you know because the, there was a very core team that they introduced in the first one and that's now been broken up in this season quite a lot more so you know it's not Harley Poison Ivy Clayface and the others that were on the core team I mean, Clayface has barely been in it actually this season I don't think he has popped up but he's he's now got this acting career and uh, which of course is what he always wanted so uh, they've they've done a couple of little bits but he's kind of 
kind of big and famous now, so they've mm. not got him as a regular on the show. It's been kind of interesting watching that evolve, but I do really, really like it. I, I think going down the adult route with that was certainly the way to go because it allows them to get away with so much more that you <laughs> couldn't do in other other situations. It's been fun. Really, really enjoyed that show. Yeah, and uh, I know I've pointed him out before, but I really like that version of Bane that's in this show. Um, <laughs> it, it's interesting that they've been able to do like a comedic, but not stupid or slapstick, but like a comedic version of Bane. Um, yeah. I still feel like if he turned bad or something, he'd, he'd still be the capable Bane that we know. Like, I remember what it was. It was a few weeks ago now, but there was a line in, because um, you know the whole CEO thing they do in episode one, I think it is, or episode two. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they got like the lead, I think it was the Legion of Doom in this building and something happened and then Bane popped in the room. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he said something to do with carbon dioxide and it just really made me laugh. <laughs> and it, just the way, the way he sort of slotted in, I thought was was really quite good. So yeah. I, um, I love they've they've gone because it's a sort of comedy version they've gone with the interesting choice of the voice that Tom Hardy used for the screen version of Bane that we've seen and I like the fact that they're using that as the comedy voice because I mean if you read the comic books Bane is supposed to be I think from South America so not that voice at all I mean that's completely the wrong voice for Bane which took a little bit of getting used to when they introduced him I mean I love Tom Hardy and that iteration that they used of Bane was a good villain for that Batman movie. Yeah. But it was a really odd choice to give that voice to him because mm. it's it's not really what it should be. I would like to see another version of Bane hit the screens at some point because he is such a big figure in the comic books. Mm. But uh, yeah, I do love this show though. I think if you're going to go down a comedy angle, I think they've done it really, really well. Throw everything out the window and kill off whoever you like and just go with it. You know, it's great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing I've been watching, I watched the two episodes of, uh, I think it's season six of, of Black Mirror, the newest one. So the Joan is Awful episode and the one that was after that, of course. I liked both of them. Obviously, the, the, the core idea when it gets sort of revealed of what's going on is Joan is Awful, I thought was really quite creepy and stuff. And then when they get into the matter of how they explain it, it was like, okay, that, that sort of makes a bit more sense. Because as the character herself is sort of reacting to it, you're thinking like, well, how would that be actually possible and then they sort of explain it later in the episode within the last couple of seasons of black mirror i've heard some opinions of like oh it's it's fallen off a bit it's not quite the same stuff and i I hadn't agreed with that before but i came away with from these two episodes and even though they did have the underlying thing that's sort of going on that's supposed to creep you out those two particularly they didn't sort of i don't know it hadn't hit as much as it used to and maybe it's i I don't know maybe we're all kind of used to what black mirror does and and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff but like there's always you know the twist in the episode that the main sort of oh god that things happened and that still worked for both of them i think it hit a bit more in in with the second episode because i think that's definitely a lot darker first episode was more kind of meta than anything else yeah Um, but the second episode is this kind of like deeper darker sort of thing so they were both quite good episodes and i'll see what the rest are like but it just didn't quite hit in the same exact kind of way but then i suppose when you do 
anthologies per episode and stuff and you're six seasons in and you have this specific idea it gets more difficult i i, I don't know what what did you think of those for the, the first two episodes yeah i f- sort of agree that it did drop off a little bit and i i felt it more with this season than i have with the other seasons i actually don't think i've actually watched the final one of this run the episode five which is demon 79 i thought Joni's awful which is the opening episode felt very Black Mirror to me. It was quite meta, but I think it's kind of twisted and works really, really well. Lock Henry, which is the second one, goes a little bit more kind of horror. I mean, it's about people making this sort of true crime yeah. thing and still feels sort of Black Mirror-y as well. Uh, and the third episode, Beyond the Sea, I think feels quite Black mirror as well, but they've been a little hit and miss. That second and the fourth episode may Macy Days, I don't know, just didn't quite hit as well. But it's tricky. I think overall, it is still a good, high quality show. The stories are quite interesting. I would like to see them go back a little bit more to the sort of technology side of things, which I don't know, they are sort of doing that with the Joni's Awful and Beyond the Sea as well, to a certain extent. But sort of feel like it it lost its way a little bit this season, just Mm. with some of the stories. The acting's great. The casting's great. I would like to see it just a little bit tighter from Charlie, because Charlie does write all the episodes for it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's the case that because you're sort of, okay, where's the, the dark twist coming, right? Because the episode sets itself up in terms of what is it about? And then you get the sort of, oh God, this thing's happened and it flips things on its head. And we're maybe not necessarily desensitized to it, but we expect it. It's a bit like maybe, you know, when we when we start season four, I think season four is the next one of the boys and like Homelander rips somebody apart the next time. Mm-hmm. And like it, it's no longer shocking because like, oh, yeah, we've seen him do that before. Maybe. Yeah. Whereas in, let's say, in Gen V, for example, I felt like the violence was used not only less, but more effectively and kind of more narratively. Like there was more this person doing this violent thing for this reason. Or, or something like that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Th- those sorts of similar things could be going on. Uh, I did still enjoy both episodes. It's just that uh, I don't know. It's been around for a while and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, but I, I'll be I'll be watching uh, the rest of it at some point soon. Mm-hmm. That's what I some of the stuff I've been up to. How about yourself? Well, I mean, there was one big show that came back last week which I really really enjoyed. They put up the first three episodes of Reacher, which is on Prime Video. I don't know what they've been feeding Alan Richardson, but I mean. The guy is huge. I'm sure he wasn't quite that size <laughs> for the first season. I mean, he looks great in that role. I mean, he really, really does. If you want a character that looks like the Reacher as described in the books, I mean, Alan Richardson really is it. He is enormous when you see him in this. I was interested to see how this second season will work because, as I said before, the whole point of Reacher is he is the only real connecting factor between the seasons because he's a wanderer so he wanders from town to town and there is a cast for each season and Alan Richardson as Reacher is really the only character that carries across the entire second season is a group of his ex-army buddies getting called back together because somebody started to knock off members of their unit and 
they don't know why and they don't know whether it's the unit specifically that's been targeted or whether it's something else that this particular guy had got himself into or what it's a really interesting mystery that they've set up for it Reacher is still very much Reacher he's a very solitary character wandering through towns trying to do the right thing he gets a call well not a call because he just never phone he gets a message sent to him and he goes and meets up with the rest of the unit which is where he finds out that they're knocking people off and then he has to go and find a check on the rest of the uh, members of that unit and they start investigating very different setup it's got uh, some faces you will recognize Sarinda Swan is in there who was in that um, do you remember the uh, the Marvel's Inhumans series I do I don't remember how many episodes I watched who was she in that she was the girl with the hair um, oh right okay. uh, yeah the, the one that uh, Medusa who was the, the one that could mm-hmm. attack thing with the hair and then to save budget they cut all her hair off <laughs> basically oh right, okay <laughs> um, the, the, if you've not seen that series that basically Medusa's key power is the fact that she can use her hair to kind of control and manipulate and grab things and pretty much I think by episode episode two of that series they've cut all her hair off because she's get caught by a baddie and part of it i think is that they want to save budget they don't have to do the effects for every single time that was in the old school sort of it was done under the old marvel tv system so Mm. so yeah so she was she was in that uh she's been in ballers and she was in coroner's big show which is in as well i think she popped up in smallville as well she played uh, zantana in smallville back in the day you might recognise her face. Uh, Robert Patrick is the other one who, of course, is probably best known as being the uh, T-1000 in uh, the Terminator 2 movie. There is actually a Sarah Connor joke fairly early on in one of the episodes, which I really liked. I mean, it's not like a big kind of noticeable thing, but there is a definite Sarah Connor joke in there, which I, I really liked. There's a good kind of group of people that they've got around them. It's a very enjoyable series and Certainly, if you saw the Reacher movies, the Tom Cruise ones, and didn't like that depiction of it, this is a far more book-accurate depiction of it. The second season is off to a really great start. There's three episodes that they put out right at the beginning, and then the next episode goes out on the 22nd, and then they're sort of weekly after that for the rest of them definitely worth going to check that out but that's on prime video the other thing i finished last night was vigil season two which of course started was it last week i think on bbc which um second season first season about submarines second season about drones it's six episodes in total all six episodes are now up on iplayer so you can go and watch through them i really enjoyed that second season i thought it was a solid storyline throughout i think the acting's great it's got lots of twists and turns in sort of who done it in the mystery of it's about drones so uh, drone goes wrong in the opening episode and the police get called in to investigate and sort of who had control of that drone at the time is what they're trying to figure out good cast really solid story really quite enjoyable if you like those sort of mystery things it's very bingeable the the hooks at the end of like each episode to get you sort of to go watch the 
next one are definitely there and it's very easy to binge your way through all of it i mean i watched i think three episodes last night so there's only six episodes in total uh, i just noticed they put the, the final three up so really worth going to check that one out if you haven't looked at that already i'm also started working my way through the final episodes of the crown enjoyed that series pretty much throughout i know it's coming for some stick more recently because of the fact that it's monkeying around with the history quite a lot but as i've said before i think it's more the fact that we're much closer to recent history than we were previously i don't think the crown is doing anything different now than what it did right at the start it's just the fact that people that are watching it now remember that much clearer than obviously they did when things were happening in the second world war or you know back in the day of winston churchill so i think it's just become a lot more noticeable that they are playing around with things a lot more than they did because we know about diana we know about the relationship between william and kate we you know we we know a lot more than we did so it's the audience's perception of it has changed as opposed to the show actually doing anything massively different i still think it's a very well acted well put together drama the second part of season six part one which went out in november was very much dealing with diana the last batch of episodes is post diana and is william and kate and there's an episode on princess anne as well each episode is following different members of the family but predominantly a lot of those last episodes is focusing on that william and kate relationship as well i haven't got to the end of it yet i've i've watched a couple of episodes of that i'm interested to see how they actually come to the end of it but still very enjoyable i thought i'm gonna watch it till the end because i've watched it this far so (laughs) you know i'm not giving up now Mm -hmm. on the gaming front have been playing through Baldur's gate i mean that's that's the thing that's really been taking up most of my time have you started this yet no i just jumped back into uh the cyberpunk update Mm. so i'm 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 doing that at the moment my uh holiday or christmas games i'm going to continue going through liza p doing the cyberpunk thing at the moment because they updated that and they put phantom liberty out so i'm going to go through that stuff and then at some point i'm going to try and finish off getting the platinum for hogwarts legacy i had some side quests to do and i had a bunch of things to collect but that just involves flying around on a broomstick picking things up right yeah (laughs) so yes i I had a little bit of a gap before i decided to jump into Baldur's gate and i actually went back and started a little bit of um cyberpunk i may take that as a holiday game as well because it's something that will work quite well on steam deck i think but Baldur's gate 3 is the main thing i've been playing and i mean i'm sure a lot of you know what Baldur's gate 3 is but a huge story rich rpg game based in the world of dungeons and dragons pretty much your standard setup of you making character i chose to make a dwarven paladin because that tends to be my go-to thing when i'm playing these sort of fantasy games if a paladin is available i tend to go and play it you put together a, a group of people and that becomes your little band of adventurers and you go off on adventures the basic storyline for this is you'll start off on what's called a nautiloid it crashes and it's controlled by this sort of group of uh, alien mind flayers and they, they control people's minds you've had something inserted into your head and you're basically trying to get it out that that's pretty much the sort of setup for the entire story of it you've got a great group of characters around you the voice acting is astonishing the level of detail in the storytelling is astonishing it's beautiful to look at 
There's this huge, huge open world. I think I mentioned before the level of attention to detail and the fact that you can walk up to pretty much any character and have a conversation with them and they are voiced conversations. There is an actor that sat there and read lines for that. Is ridiculous. Not only that, you have the ability to speak to animals and speak to the dead with the right spells. So you can have a speak to an animal thing and literally walk up to, you know, if there's a bunny hopping around, you can walk up and talk to the bunny and somebody's had to do voice (laughs) lines for that. You know, it's, I mean, there was 300 and something odd actors apparently that actually took part in doing some form of voices for this game. There's obviously the leading cast. I mean, Neil Newborn won uh, award for his performance at, at Game Awards recently, but that lead cast is is great. But the overall, like all the other actors are, are phenomenal in this. The story's really good. You don't need to have a sort of background of Baldur's Gate 1 or 2, because I played, I think, the early ones a little bit, but not a huge amount. So you don't need to know a lot to just jump into Baldur's Gate 3. It's a bit like The Witcher. You can sort of jump into The Witcher 3 without having really right, played yeah. through 1 and 2. There's romances that you can have with people. There are... The, oh, yeah. I've heard about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which are, are are interesting. And so you've got all that sort of stuff in there, same as you had with Witcher. It's got the turn-based combat. You've got origin stories and backgrounds for all your main group. So, you know, there are things that each of them are going through and there's some really interesting stories there. Just the depth and breadth of the entire thing is absolutely outstanding. I mean, even little things like how other characters react to you depending on what race you've picked as the lead character. There's just such detail that they've put in. I mean, God knows... I mean, there's thousands and millions, I'm sure, of lines that must have been recorded for this game. It is an outstanding piece of work and deserves all the accolades people are throwing at it. It it really is one of the most detailed games I've ever played. Really can't praise it highly enough. I'm 95 hours in at the moment and I've just hit the third act (laughs) of the game. So I expect it to be, I mean, it could very well be 150 hours before I get to the end of it. And that's a one run through. And it's the type of thing where I know there are things that I've missed in this game from having looked up bits and pieces online. So I I know that there are things that I've missed in the first act and things that I've missed in the second act. So it is something that I may get to the end and roll a new character and start again and go through as a slightly different thing because there are so many differences that you know you're going to get different reactions depending how you play and react. So Mm. I'm sure if I can get 200 hours out of Last of Us 2, then you can probably get quite a few out of this game by the sounds of things. Mm. So given that Last of Us 2 is single-player narrative-driven, even with like a 20 hour story but obviously you can go through and get different stuff for different reasons obviously Baldur's Gate 3 is a lot lot bigger than that so I'm sure you get quite a lot of time out of this yeah and that is the other thing with this as well you can play this with friends online so nice. you can both roll characters and play it like a D&D campaign you can have I think four people in the party so you basically four of you can play together and you can roll different characters and form a group and go and do it together if that's how you want it to 
to play it. So there's a lot of scope for it. There are no doubt going to be expansions and things for this as well. It is a, a really phenomenal piece of work and deserves all the game of the year things that he's getting and all the high scores. It really is astounding. Definitely the game of the year, hands down. I think it was superb. You mentioned Last of Us there. There was some Last of Us news that came out about there was a multiplayer game in development which Naughty Dog have dropped. I'm assuming you know something more about this than I do, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's been in development for a bit of time. They put out a statement. It was actually like an hour after we finished doing Gaming Talk, but we'd already gone an hour 45 on Gaming Talk, so it would have made it even longer. There's a few angles to kind of what happened here, and a lot of people were pointing out that this isn't just a Naughty Dog situation. So you've got Jim Ryan, who's the head of PlayStation. I think he's retiring in March, I think he said. And there was some news that had gone around about a year or two ago that Sony was going to try to do this like live service Mm -hmm. approach, which everybody turned their nose up a bit at, which is understandable because that's, you know, not not a great route to take. But the problem with doing that specifically with PlayStation, regardless of like how PSN works or what PlayStation does or what Sony as a company does, obviously PlayStation's their biggest thing. And what PlayStation's been best at for a long, long time now is single player story driven narrative games uh you know yeah. you've got ghost of shima god of war horizon last of us you know, could go on and on to kind of try to for some reason i guess a, a choice of direction to peel away from that and say oh we're gonna do this game we're gonna do that game and there was a few others that were sort of in the pipeline and that had got obviously a lot of negative feedback because people like to go there for the single player story driven games the ones that have won them awards and things like that and i get that with with naughty dog in this situation it was a bit different because back on the ps3 when last of us did come out they did have an online factions mode but it was this kind of like online thing where you use like the gameplay mechanics and stuff and you were just sort of in this arena particular type thing that then got kind of remastered with the ps4 version of uh, last of us which you can still go and play that now you can probably play that on ps5 through that because obviously backwards compatibility so if you still want to go and play factions the original version you still can the servers are still up and stuff people still stream it and all that and then they decided okay because we're going back through and upgrading last of us one and last of us two and all these other kind of things what about if we did like a fresh version of factions but not just a fresh version like a proper sequel with a massive scope and this kind of thing and it just sounds like it didn't quite come to fruition and one of the things they said in their statement was because they like making single player story driven games which is again what they're what you know last of us and uncharted so good at from from naughty dog that it would have taken a lot of resources to keep this up which is the point with any live service game anyway things like you know destiny call of duty all all these sorts of games you've got to keep updating it month to month give players new game modes new maps new skins and and it does take a lot of effort there was a point where Bungie was supposed to get involved with Bungie, who, of course, have done Destiny and they did the Halo games in the past. Sony's bought Bungie. And there was this kind of idea of like, what if we could have Bungie as a support studio because they've got a background with live service games to kind of like tie them in and help out. But it seems that from what they said that it would have taken away from their scope of making these games which people really love. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good decision ultimately. Yeah. I myself personally, I never actually played Factions. I know I'm a big Last of Us fan and stuff, but that, that was a bit that just sort of passed me by because I never did jump in on the PS3 days anyway. So it just sounded a case of like, we do have resources, 
is, but do we want to constantly put them into this game, which is going to take too much of that and take away from the thing that we're both good at and people love us for the most? Or do we do, you know, the opposite thing? So um, as much as it's a shame that this game was in development for a fair bit of time, I think they said after Last of Us Part 2, which was... 2020 it feels like they made a decision in terms of okay if we cut our losses now we can kind of focus back on the because they said they've got two single player games we don't know what they are but if we sort of cut our losses for this thing that just might not work and that risk mm-hmm. of it not working could have longer term effects because of development and that sort of thing and then you might end up putting these two games out that people really love so i wasn't specifically excited for this factions too i was more just kind of curious as to what it would be because again i was never like into that sort of space with things yeah. But as much as it does suck for people that were looking forward to this, I think in terms of resources and development and PlayStation's direction, I think they made a good choice, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at something like Fallout 76 to see what a car crash it can potentially be. I mean, whilst Bethesda have pulled it around with Fallout 76, which is the online version of Fallout, it took an awful lot of effort to get there and you do kind of think it's probably sensible of Naughty Dog because I mean Naughty Dog and Bethesda are both renowned for creating these big well put together single player games I know Starfield but that is what they were known for and Bethesda when they went and did an online version of Fallout that must have sucked so many resources and been so much effort to actually get that to work and I think Naughty Dog have made the right choice here i think stick to what you know and what you're good at Uh, the balance of sort of you know risk versus reward i think for naughty dog in making a live action last of us which had a mixed reaction from fans anyway in the same way that i think fallout did when they announced they were doing an online version of fallout it's the right choice focus on doing the single player games that people love and that's a better use of your resources I mm. have very I have played a little bit of Fallout 76 but the multiplayer thing I found the other players an irritant rather than actually you know <laughs> wanting to play with anybody I much prefer things that I can play on my own I don't like other people being involved in my gameplay unless I'm I'm playing I don't know something like Team Fortress 2 back in the day something like this really has zero interest for me you know you don't play Last of Us for multiplayer you play Last of Us for the story mm. um, I think yeah. This is a perfectly sensible decision for them, I think. Yeah, and again, it's not just a Last of Us thing. It's like, okay, you don't need a God of War online. You don't need a Horizon online. Because what PlayStation can just do is just keep doing what they are doing, which is put out these single-player story games that people love. And then you've still got money to be made with, let's say, having COD on the platform and Fortnite and all, all these other Apex Legends, all, all these sorts of online games. So you don't need them in, in the same sort of way. It's not like with Halo over on Xbox, they have the online online stuff there but halo has been an online game for years i mean you can make little on like co-op parts and stuff like in bloodborne for example you can get like someone to come in and help you with the game in the same way you can do with like those other Soulsborne games but mm-hmm. that's that that's just a little bit different so well yeah i mean it's like i said with Baldur's gate 3 you can play with a group of friends mm. but i think again that's slightly different it's not a sort of big multiplayer thing where you randomly match with people it is designed really as being able to play D&D online with a a set group of friends. It's not the same sort of thing. I I just feel like a big sort of multiplayer Last of Us thing doesn't really work for me. So I I think that was probably a sensible decision. 
That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we kick off the TV and film news with renewals, cancellations and pickups. A few cancellations this week. One of the big ones, Question of Sport, apparently has been shelved by the BBC after 50 years on air, which is a a hell of a time. They've decided that they are resting it. I mean, it's possible that it may come back in some form in the future. But as of now, it is going to be off for an extended period of time. They said the same sort of thing about Top Gear mind you but they've said that question of sport is going to be off air i haven't watched it in i've seen the odd episode here and there but i've never actually kind of sat down and watched it i know you're a sports fan i don't know whether this was anything that you ever looked at also i'm aware of it and that and i've seen parts of it over the years but in terms of recent memory let's say since i started doing united cast which was like three four years ago it's not something that for the sports let's say channels and areas that i go to to hear opinions which most of which is on on youtube stuff question of sport doesn't really come up in that sort of area well, i mean no, actually, it's they- a game show yeah so right but in terms of that that sort of like like sports and football area and things like there's been new stuff from sky which has taken over some stuff there's obviously talk sports on youtube it's not just a radio thing so that's kind of changed a bit but um yeah and i, I saw some some like silly people complaining of like oh this is because of alex scott or something it's like okay stop, stop being silly <laughs> she's a great presenter and she's done some great stuff on other areas but yeah it's it's just not something that kind of i don't know not something that pops up as much as it used to i wonder if it's kind of i I suspect it's just an old format i mean it is a very very straightforward format of i think paddy mcginnis is the current presenter and it's him as the presenter who's you know perfectly fine presenter and two teams of people answering questions about sport and Mm. i just think it maybe got to a point where it's maybe a little bit tired and they need to make some cuts and that's probably quite an easy thing to cut its numbers probably weren't all that high I imagine so you mm. know as fine as it is I mean, but then again it's probably also fairly cheap to produce but I, I don't know they basically said that they are shelving it for the moment and it could come back at some point in the future but they have said that there is no mm. uh, episodes of it in production right now well, what I'm basically saying is it's not something I've kind of come across in a while whether it's me specifically yeah. looking for something or it kind of Twitter or YouTube or TV or whatever it's not something I've seen much from recently and maybe it's gone quiet on those fronts or something yeah maybe BBC has also reportedly axed the Catherine Tate comedy Queen of Oz after one season as well don't know the reason for that other than I I suspect maybe it didn't quite land as well as they hoped it would but that apparently is not coming back for a second season Channel 4 have had the axe out on Alex Brooker and uh, he had a series called Hobby Man which they've decided to stop after one season that was Alex Brooker 
Brooker from the last leg and takes a crash course in Britain's pastimes accompanied by a rust of famous faces. Again, I don't think that was a particularly expensive show to produce, but they've decided they're not bringing that back. BBC, again, axed another show, which was the daytime quiz Unbeatable, which Jason Manford hosted. That's gone after two series. And Curb Your Enthusiasm has come to an end after 12 seasons. So the final season they've announced is coming on the 5th of February to Sky Comedy in the UK. It's the fourth on HBO and Max in the US. So it will be back in February for one final season. But Larry David has decided that he's he's abandoning the Larry David character, <laughs> as he put it. And it is sort of, you know, that, that version of himself will no longer be around. Curb, I've seen a few episodes of it. It is very, very funny. But 12 seasons is certainly not a bad run. And if he's decided that he's not going to do it anymore, they did take a break previously, but it sounds like this is a far more definitive he's stopping. 12 seasons is not a bad run. It certainly isn't. In terms of renewals, Prime Video have announced Good Omens will be back for a third and final season, which I'm very, very happy about, given where the second season ended. I remember what you'd said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it really needed that third season. The Basically, the first season was based on the Good Omens novel. The second season was a sort of bridge to where they needed to be for the third season. And the third season is based on the outline that Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett had sort of had a conversation about what would we do if it made a sequel. So it's based on those ideas, but they needed a kind of bridge to get from the end of where they ended season one to where the characters needed to be for the start of where they wanted to pick the story up for season three. So there is a definite arc to it. And that's what the third season is based on. It's based on sort of Gaiman and Pratchett's ideas of what they were going to do if they were going to write a sequel novel or or come up with a sequel series. So I'm glad they've got that final season. I'm not surprised that it is a final season because I think that makes sense because they clearly had, had the idea of where they were going to go with it. But I'm glad it's coming back that's really good news i still need to go and watch the uh i've actually got quite a long list of things still to watch good omen season two is one of them things sometimes it is just simply the case that i remember when it came out and i hadn't clicked on amazon in a bit and then i sort of it just it just came and went so yeah i have things like that that, that sometimes i'd almost prefer if we had like instead of me needing to check each streaming thing if there was like a list of followed shows or something and roku could i, I don't know i think there's a there's a better way to do some of this stuff <laughs> yes MGM Plus in the US have announced the sci-fi series Beacon 23 has been renewed for a second season. That's one we've not had over here yet, but it does look quite interesting. That has been renewed for a second season, which is good news. I mean, more sci-fi is always great. Power Book 4 Force has been renewed for a third season at Stars. That airs at the moment on Lionsgate Plus over here, but it's becoming increasingly looking like Lionsgate Plus is going to be shutting down sooner rather than later. We knew that it was going to shut down at some point in the new year but you can apparently no longer sign up for it certainly through the sky app which you used to be able to do they're apparently not allowing people to sign up for it there anymore and it doesn't look like they're adding anything new to it because power book three had a new season come out and they sent the press release out saying hey this is coming on this date and then it didn't land i think it was the 15th of december it was supposed to land and it didn't so it looks like they're just not adding content to it anymore so it looks like that's going. Mm. Peacock UK is officially going as well. There was a story came out this week that Peacock sort of 
channel thing streaming service which sort of half launched on sky in the uk and then really didn't take off and has been kind of slowly dying over the last sort of six to eight months has officially been canned that will be disappearing off the skybox as well i mean there wasn't really anything on it at this point anyway i felt even from day one they did a very poor job of promoting that and it also got a bit lost in things as well well yeah because it wasn't its own streaming service either. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't was a category wasn't it yeah Basically. it was just a category of shows on the skybox so it was really half-hearted attempt to do it in the first place and then it didn't have a lot of the content that peacock in the u.s had which is understandable because a lot of the content in peacock in the u.s isn't owned by nbc so you would have had to have bought it in for Sky in the UK anyway. But I mean, that was also a problem. It, it seemed a bit of a weird thing to launch because the, you can do what they ended up doing, which is just take all the Peacock shows or all the shows that aired on Peacock that are owned by NBC and just put them onto Sky anyway, which seems like a far more sensible way of doing it. Mm. So that's what they ended up doing. There's also another problem as well, like specifically with the Now app. I know there's Sky TV, which is a bit different to Now. But the, the whole thing's a little bit disorganized. If you go through the home tab and stuff, that changes all the time with different categories. And there's stuff that I know that's on now that is just a bit buried and stuff. Right, yeah. um, and then I also think like the writing at the top is like really surprisingly small and is wasted. They, 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 they need to sort of redo that a little bit. Because both in terms of layout and in terms of showing you the idea of what's actually on it, because there's quite a lot of different stuff on now. I mean, it's got a bit of the same problem that Disney Plus has, where there's a lot of really, really great stuff on Disney Plus but it's not all kind of laid out well I know with Disney they got the tabs and stuff like specific Disney Pixar Marvel Star Wars yeah just a little bit of curation from some of these apps would be would be a bit better to find certain things yes that would be good um mm. can't say I'm shocked that Peacock's disappeared so yeah it sort of already has because <laughs> it, it, it disappeared a while ago it's just been kind of slowly yeah. dying I'm glad they've officially announced they're killing it off I think I think it's the nicest thing they could do with it over on Apple TV they've renewed Platonic for a second season did you ever watch that one you watch a lot more Apple stuff than I do no I haven't clicked on it quite as much recently maybe it's not one that I've come across yet yeah it's a Seth Rogen Rose Byrne series I think are the, oh, are right. the two leads in that one it's a comedy series basically the, as the title suggests playing platonic friends oh right yeah I think I've browsed past it once or twice yeah I've seen it I haven't yeah, picked it up yeah it's just come either. to mind now that you've yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've sort of browsed past it but haven't kind of picked it up but that has been renewed for a second season apparently so that will be coming back cool. Netflix have been quite busy recently as well uh, there's a show called Blue Eyed Samurai which they've renewed for a second season don't know what that is not watch that oh with uh, Previewed which is a couple of nice guys over on YouTube they do like trailer stuff and that sort of thing because they chose not to cover certain things for, for the strike and they did some other content they come back recently covered a load of trailers one of them was for the first season of this one of the guys had seen it one of them hadn't and I had no idea what it is and it looks very very good it wasn't one that I'd come across at all or heard anything about I only discovered it like a couple of days ago because of them and it looks really really quite good so oh, okay. and it might be one worth checking out French American adult animation series about a Japanese samurai <laughs> interesting yeah. okay mm. yeah so uh, yes that's so oh, George Takai does one of the voices for it as well 
Mayor Erskine is the main voice of it. So, uh, yeah, that's one. If you like your sort of animation, that, that could be mm. one of the worst. Yeah. Interesting that I heard more about it from a YouTube channel than Netflix themselves. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that's not entirely unusual, I suppose. Yes, and they've also renewed Love is Blind for season seven, which is a reality dating show, I think. That has been renewed for a seventh season, so that will be coming back. On the pickups and other news, more Netflix. Netflix stuff. They released a trailer for Beverly Hills Cop Axel F, which is coming in summer 2024. Now, have you ever actually seen any of the Beverly Hills Cop films? Because I mean, they're 80s movies, so I don't know whether you're even around to watch them. I'm aware of them. I've kind of come across them. I don't think I've like properly watched one of them before, though. They so. are quite funny. You know, mm. they're, they're old, classic Eddie Murphy movies. The first one was 1984. So it's been around for a while. And there are mm. three films. So there were 1984, 19. 1987-1994 for the three original movies. This is Eddie Murphy back as Axel Foley in the lead role. It's got some of the other cast members back as well. Basic plot line is there's the death of an old friend in the Detroit Police Department, so he returns to Beverly Hills to investigate corruption within the police department and work with his estranged daughter and her ex-boyfriend. And you know, So there's all that sort of stuff going on. But it has got some of the original cast like Paul Reisner in there, Judge Reinhold in there as well. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays the sort of new detective partner for him. So uh, I think it's kind of a good cast. It's interesting they're doing this as a, as a Netflix release rather than it going as a cinema release. But summer 2024, that is going to be dropping out if you want to keep an eye out for that. They've also announced a really odd one, which is they're making a new anime of One Piece, which one Piece, as I'm sure a lot of you are aware, they've just done a live action version, which apparently went down very, very well. So there's the live action version, which is based on an anime. They've now gone back and are making a brand new anime series that is going to be separate to the original anime, which I, I think is still running. So I'm a little confused. As to exactly I think what- it is. Yeah, my, my sister watches that stuff. So yeah, I mean, she talks to me about it. <laughs> it's going to be done by Witch Studios, who are the company behind Spy Times Family and first few seasons of Attack and Titan. So, I mean, Attack and Titan's a big show as well. So, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it's not a bad group of people behind it. It's just a really strange decision. I know they want to sort of capitalize on the fact that One Piece has been so big. It seems like a really weird remake idea when you've got a live action version already and an anime. I don't know. We'll see how it does, I suppose. Because <laughs> I mean, the, that anime has been running since 1999, the original, and it's got like 21 seasons. And and yeah, there is a new <laughs> season coming out in January, 21st season's out in January, so... It's just odd. They're, they're sort of a competing thing that they're doing. But anyway, that will be coming. Law and Order Season 21 finally has got a UK premiere date. That is coming 9th of January to 5 USA in the UK. So we're going to be a couple of seasons behind on that because I think they've done Season 21 and Season 22. These were the sort of revival series of Law and Order. I mean, a lot of the Law and Orders are on Sky Witness. This one isn't. It's going to go to 5 USA. Why it didn't go to Sky when they have all the other Dick Wolf things i don't know whether there was something in place already with five usa i'm not sure but at least it's going somewhere so uh, if you want to catch up with mm-hmm. law and 
order. It's 9th of January, which is Tuesday on 5 USA at 9pm. That will be landing there. There was also some dates for some of the other big UK shows. Call the Midwife, which was returning Christmas Day, which I think is enshrined in law that we have to have Call the Midwife on Christmas Day at this point. But, yeah, uh, it's a tradition, isn't it? Yes, it's become a bit of a tradition. Season 13 is going to be starting on Sunday, the 7th of January at 8pm on BBC One and iPlayer. So uh, that was the new season of that coming. Also on the BBC, Silent Witness season 27, 8th of January, which is a Monday at 9pm on BBC One and iPlayer. And the second episode is going out Tuesday the 9th as well. So uh, they'll be running those episodes close together. And then over on ITV, not to be outdone, they're bringing back Grandchester. That's for its 8th season of ecclesiastical crime solving that's 11th of january at 9 p.m on itv1 and itvx that has already gone out in america because pbs masterpiece are the people that fund that show now even though i think it started off as an itv show pbs are actually the lead producer of it these days i think so uh, that's why it's gone out there first this will be the final season for robson green's sidekick and then he gets a new sidekick next season apparently so this is his final full season i think then Bridgerton has got an air date for its third season. That massive Netflix show will be back in two parts of four episodes each. Part one premieres Thursday the 16th of May 2024. Part two will be a month later on Thursday the 13th of June. They're dropping it in two bits for season three from a Bridgerton fan. That's one to look out for. When we were um, naming the, uh, you know, I said that, what does Netflix have left after they cancelled, was it Shadow and Bone? I can't remember which one it yes. was. One of, one of, and I sort of said, what are they have left this was one that i just totally forgot about <laughs> so i i know this show is really really big but but that's another one that they've still got ongoing so that that's good well yes speaking of netflix one of the things that they did drop this week was actual viewing data which they do release bits and pieces of viewing data to be fair to them they do do top 10 lists and that sort of stuff which is more than we get from some of the other streaming services i mean you know they're they're still not exactly open and we don't know exactly what metrics they use to create their top 10s but they have released bits and pieces of data but this is the first time they've said here is all our shows and here are the viewing figures for them so what it's called is called what we watched a netflix engagement report from january to June 2023. It includes every single original and licensed title which was viewed for over 50,000 hours. So that is over 18,000 titles that are in the overall report. It represents about 99% of all viewing on Netflix and a nearly nearly 100 billion hours of viewing. So there is a lot in the actual full list. It was, uh, I mean, they, they actually sent it out as an Excel spreadsheet. There are some caveats with the report because the way that they measured it and the metric they're using is hours viewed. Now, the problem with that is if you're a season that's only got like four episodes at an hour each and there is a show that has got 20 episodes at an hour each and somebody watches the entire season, you're yeah, trying to... Yeah. There's a huge ratio difference. Or if you're a movie which is two and a half hours long compared to a series which is 10 episodes, that's an issue because... Mm. It's going to be more difficult for something which is shorter to get higher up on the total hours viewed. So there's that. So it skews rather more to longer seasons of shows over miniseries and films. It's also a mix of titles that have been on the 
platform, obviously because it's covering this specific area of January to June 2023. So you've got things that are in this list, which maybe look worse off than they actually are, because they either launched before January. So maybe they launched in November last year. So they're missing that initial couple of months of numbers are missing because they're not in this report. You also have shows which may be launched in June. So their numbers are going to be much lower on this particular report than they would be because they've only got, say, half a month's worth of viewing so far. And what they actually did in the sheet that they gave out was they listed literally by how many millions of hours something had been viewed. I actually did some monkeying around the data in the data sheet and actually did a version of it, which was not just the hours viewed, but then also gave a sort of rough split down of that based on views per month. So created couple of different tables of the top 50. We're not going to go through all 50, but uh, just <laughs> a couple of different tables, one which was total hours viewed and one which was hours viewed per month based on when it was released. So there's interesting data in here, but it can be better or worse depending on exactly how you look at it. There is one show that does come out on top whichever way you look at it which was the night agent which was that thriller about the guy that works in the sort of white house basement manning a phone yeah. starred gabrielle basso it was a really really great show but i mean the numbers for it are absolutely staggering 812 million views overall 270 million views if you break it down per month and it is way ahead in total hours viewed even top of the table if you break it down um not quite quite as far ahead, but it is on top of the table if you break it down by hours per month as well. If you look at the total hours viewed, the second place goes to Ginny and Georgina season two, which has 665 million views, but it's only 110 per month because that launched in January. So that's got the full six months of space to be able to build up those numbers. If you break it down by hours viewed per month, FUBAR, the Arnold Schwarzenegger series, Series, which launched right at the end of May, so really only has a month of viewing figures, had 266 million views. So that is a lot higher. But interestingly, if you look through the list, Ginny and Georgina season one, which launched in way back in January 2021, so in this particular snapshot still has six months of viewing numbers over that period, 201 million views, which is sort of interesting because you can see why Netflix might decide that they then want to renew that show because not only is the second season doing well, the first season is also doing really well. You've also got films like Extraction 2 which did incredibly well. I mean, that launched middle of June, so it's only half a month's worth of numbers. 201 million hours that got, which is incredibly impressive given that that's a film. So there's only going to be a couple of hours long, two or three hours long. If you're wondering about some of the cancelled shows, Lockwood & Co., which I know there's a lot of fans of, did get 130 million hours views in total, but that did launch in January. So you've got to spread that basically across six months. So that's 
not overall all that impressive. It's only 80th in total hours viewed, and it comes in 107th in hours viewed per month. Shadow and Bone pulled in 192 hours viewed, and it launched in sort of mid-March. That's for the second season. So it did fare a bit better, but still didn't. It was actually the most hours viewed for a cancelled show. They got rid of both of those, right? Yeah, they got rid of both of those. So Lockwood & Co., based on the numbers, you can sort of see why if you're doing it purely based on the numbers. I still think there was a lot more potential with that show. You've also got to bear in mind that when it comes to cancelling shows, even if its numbers are higher, if it's an expensive show to make, I mean, it would be interesting if they give us numbers of cost per episode, because if you've got a show that is, I don't know, some sort of reality show that's costing 100000 an episode compared to, say, Shadow and Bone that costs like, I don't know, a million an episode. That also gives you some other reasoning why you look at it and go, well, yeah, okay, I can see why maybe they cancelled that. The numbers are kind of interesting. You can go and get the full list yourself if you go and check on social media and stuff. In fact, if you actually go and check on our website, on there is an article about the Netflix numbers and it's linked off that as well. So you can go and download the full list yourself. They're not being secretive about it and just giving it to press or anything. It is out there and it is an Excel spreadsheet. You can go and see all the numbers. But I put the top 50 shows up in our document up here. So anything particularly that stands out to you on this? I get that they got their own way of measuring stuff and obviously this is different to how normal TV does yes, it but like, like you said in terms of like if you're doing it by minutes viewed and, and this kind of thing as opposed to just views for the show things yeah which are older are going to be potentially more favoured because there's been more time for them and in terms of length of, of show so that kind of really does affect stuff on, on average most streaming shows now are what 8 to 13 episodes maybe 8 maybe 10 not, not many of them are sort of 13. Most of them are sort of 8 to 10. And they're coming at around, what, 45, 50 minutes or so. So you've got a similar length for that, but then you have got other shows that could be 13 episodes, but 20 minutes or so. You know, yeah. So you, you've got some difference there. It just feels like a little bit of a broken way to measure certain things because it almost feels like, okay, if you're a Netflix show, and I don't know if I, I don't know if other streamers do the same thing, you've almost got to sort of win differently as opposed to normal TV. Netflix has been doing some weird things for a while, let's say, and we kind of knew this was one of their one of their metrics. We just didn't have sort of well, this this is the most specific data I think we've yeah, ever had, obviously. Is. But it's just a strange way to do stuff. That's yeah. what I think. I mean, there are some other interesting shows in there. I mean, Black Mirror season six, as you would expect, landed reasonably well. I mean, it lands 10th place if you look at hours per month because that didn't launch until mid-June. So there's basically only half a month of data and still got 139 million hours viewed off that. The Diplomat did pretty well, launched mid-April, 107 million per month, uh, 240 million hours overall. So, I mean, that did pretty well. Outer Banks, which launched back in February, 402 million hours. Uh, so that works out around about 100 million per month. Uh, that was for the third season, which is strong going. Sweet Seed season, season two launched in April, um, 91 per month, 182 overall. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see this because they are releasing these every six months. So the sort of one that they're releasing in the middle of next year is going 
going to be kind of an interesting one because some of these shows, you'll be able to track the data from this first six-month period to the next six-month period to see what stayed around and what has actually dropped out. Because, I mean, impressively, you've got Wednesday is still kicking around. I mean, it launched in November, I think, of the previous year, and it's still in the top 20 shows when you break it down by month and i mean it it did 507 million hours in that six month period but that is missing out those first couple of months where everybody went and watched it as well so i don't know what its overall numbers are for that but i suspect they would very easily be up there with the night agent without Mm. any problem at all if you add that i mean in overall total hours i would have thought also if you're doing from by minutes watched what about people that rewind scenes well it's hours but yeah well yeah i know that's like quite a small metric but those things could still add up and, and change things over time as well because i do that if there was a scene I, and I think well that was like quite crazy or somebody dies in an episode or something i may rewind it a little bit and rewatch that that small part so mm-hmm. something yeah. small in there but still yeah what is interesting is actually some of the foreign language stuff that's in there there's the shows like fake profile which i think is a south american show which isn't released globally because that's the other thing that they did put in not all of these are released globally but there's a number of particularly of the south american shows which are when you break it down by hours per month are sat in the top 10 despite the fact that they're not having worldwide releases and same with a number of the uh, south korean shows as well like glory is fairly high up a lot of those shows have done extremely well but i mean these are global numbers these aren't uk numbers these are global numbers for these yeah so i guess it shouldn't be a huge shock that there's a lot of love for these sort of in south america and across the asian sort of world as well and for the south korean series they've definitely been kind of crossover shows as well because it can't just be that market that's sustaining it yeah you season four did pretty well uh beef i mean it's listed as season one but i think that was a limited series anyway that's done pretty well luther fall and son that was another one which did pretty well considering that was a film so that was what three hours or something in total that had 209 hours overall been some interesting um numbers that have come out of it so it's one of those things that it's not the best metric to work with but it does give you a little bit of interesting insight into it and it also i mean you know the list like it says it's 18 thousand titles and over 99 percent of the catalog that they've actually listed on there i'd be interested to see it broken down by region it would be interesting if they'd release sort of more data and more information i'm not necessarily looking for different data just this data presented in slightly different ways like i say you know breaking it down per month would be a good way of of releasing it i think and, and might show some slightly different things breaking it down by region so specifically the US or the UK obviously would be what more interested in but I would like to see them do a slightly more comprehensive version of this when they release the next one because it is an Excel spreadsheet there's no reason why you couldn't take the base data off this and break it down in different ways on different sheets on that spreadsheet I mean it's interesting I think Mm. and does give you a sort of tiny glimpse behind the curtain even though it might not be 100% exactly what we're after it does make you look at it and go well I can see why they renewed the night agent literally about two days after it launched (laughs) so you know (laughs) So like I say, if 
you want to go and uh, check out that data for yourself and have a sort of wade through the shows, uh, or even if you just want a list of the uh, 18,000 most popular shows on Netflix, you can go and get that off our website. Just go and look for the uh, the article about the Netflix numbers, which is up on there. Over on Apple TV, they have ordered a new show based on another novel series by Martha Wells. Not a novel series I knew, but it's called Murderbot, which I rather like the sound of. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is going to be the person that takes the lead on it. It's from Academy Award nominees Chris and Paul Weiss. It's an action-packed sci-fi series based on Hugo and Nebula award-winning books by Wells about a self-hacking security android who is horrified by human emotion yet drawn to its vulnerable clients. Murderbot must hide its free will and complete a dangerous assignment when all it really wants to do is be left alone to watch futuristic soap operas and figure out its place in the universe. Um, <laughs> I really like the sound of this. It sounds like it's going to be really fun, interesting, funny take. The books are hugely, hugely popular. I know when I posted this, there was a lot of people going, oh my God, this is going to be great. Skarsgård, you'll know from Succession and Big Little Lies and The Northman and a million other things. He is going to serve as executive producer as well. Chris and Paul Weiss worked on About a Boy and Mozart in the Jungle. They're going to write, produce and direct the series. Uh, David S. Goya, who is the showrunner on Foundation, is also exec producing on it as well. And Not Martha, too bad. Martha Wells, <laughs> Martha Wells, the original author, is serving as consulting producer, so they have got the author on board as consulting producer. The novel series began in 2017, so they're relatively new with a novel called All Systems Red, consists of seven novels and three short stories in total, with the seventh novel, System Collapse, being released in November, so it's just being released. They've gained widespread acclaim for their unique narrative perspective, exploring themes of identity, autonomy, and the relationship between artificial intelligence and humanity. The character of Murderbot itself is known for its dry humour, introspection, and relatable portrayal of a being trying to understand its place in the world. I really think this sounds like it could be an interesting, quite quirky series. I'm glad it's gone to Apple because they're the one people that I think could handle something like this really well. Mm -hmm. Alexander Skarsgård, I think, is going to be great as a lead for this. They've got the author on board. They've got a good set of directors behind it. David S. Goyer, exec producing. I really like the sound of this. When you first said Murderbot, I thought, okay, it sounds like a Black Mirror episode. And then you started describing it. And we've had Black Mirror episodes that have been more slightly lighter toned, but not as light toned as what this sort of maybe sounds. But there sounds like a lot of good things in here. A lot of good people involved, a lot of talent, which is important. Of course, you can have slightly more unknown people that are still talented that become more known but uh, it's good when you get talented people and, and that kind of stuff Apple they don't really miss this sounds like another good one it's interesting the way that Apple approaches things because I remember when I did a um, streaming overview podcast and I kind of looked at what each of the streamers were doing and the IP that they've got and how each of them kind of do things and Apple's the one that kind of they don't really have IP that gets you attracted to their platform but there's like for example with Disney you go there for certain brands Netflix you go there for certain stuff you know etc etc 
Apple's more one that kind of bring in a story that's really interesting, whether it's adapted for a book or something original, and we'll get talent. We'll get, you know, talent in terms of, oh, I want to see this person in this show, this person in that show. Yeah. And they, they, they seem to be going more off of, and this worked out pretty well so far, but nobody else is really doing TV in the way that Apple is in terms of, again, not really having massive sort of IP and stuff. Yeah, so. with very much the exception of the legendary MonsterVerse thing, which is the one sort of IP thing which they have gone for right, recently. Right. You're entirely right. I mean, they've they, still got big names in it. But yeah. 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 Still got big names in it. But I mean, that that's something which is more IP led. But mm-hmm. I, I think they just go for making interesting quality stuff. And it's not like it's bringing them in huge numbers compared to the other streaming services as well. I mean, we know their numbers are a lot lower and are probably not making money back on it, you know, but that's not the point. They are essentially burning cash through Apple TV, but the Apple TV in and of itself doesn't need to make a profit. They make so much profit off everything else in that company. It's a service, (laughs) you know, from from selling computers and selling software and, and everything else. What they're doing really with that is it is something that draws people towards Apple products. It's an advertising more than it is the ecosystem. The, yeah, yeah it, it's advertising for the ecosystem. That's what they're trying to draw people into. They're not specifically trying to get people just to watch Apple TV. I'm sure they'd be very happy if people just did watch Apple TV. And you should, because there are some great shows on that platform. I mean, really, really, if you want the amount of money per show for quality, Apple TV is absolutely outstanding compared to everything else. There are so many high quality shows on that platform. It's ridiculous. The fact that it isn't in and of itself making money back is not the point. It's not designed to do that. It's designed to draw people towards Apple and Apple products. It's an advertising billboard for them. That's essentially what it is. It also helps when you have your own products in your own shows. Well, well yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when every single character is using an iPhone or <laughs> uh, a MacBook or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that also helps. And they own a lot of the stuff. They just do a really, really good job. And they're very careful about what they pick. They tend not to put trash on there. They've had very, very few misses with that platform. Mm. It's been solid throughout. And even if it's something that's, you know, not a show which necessarily hits with you, you can still appreciate the fact that it is a well-made quality show and they've put their heart and soul into making it, which is not always the case. You know, you don't feel like there's budget constraints in anything that they do. No, that's you, definitely, no, no. It, it's, it's not like a CW show where they cut the budget every single season. You feel that there is money going into this and they've, they're basically just saying, make what you want. And they are producing some really interesting stuff over there. So, Mm. I'm really excited, particularly for when they pick up something like this and make interesting sci-fi. They're one of the few places that are making very, very interesting sci-fi right now. I remember when Disney and Apple, Disney Plus and Apple launched quite close to each other. And I remember when they were both putting out press releases for like what they were going to do and stuff. And we all know what Disney can do and we weren't quite sure what Apple could do. And I remember looking at both of them and I was like, okay, I know what Disney might be coming out with, but Apple, what are you, what are you possibly going to do that's going to draw people in? And then they kind of figured out their 
their own thing. Yeah, I think they've been doing a great job with it. And I think Apple have taken the same approach to producing TV shows as they do with the rest of their stuff. It is quality. They are going for quality over quantity. That's always what they've done. And uh, it's the same with Apple TV. And like I say, it might not all be to your taste, but I think you can still appreciate the fact that even if it's not your taste, it's still a well done, well put together show. And there will be something else that is to your taste on there. So, I mean, I, I know we sound like we're shelling for Apple. We're not being paid by Apple or anything like that. We just <laughs> both really, really like the service. That's all. So that's all the stuff we've got for this week. And in fact, this year as well. So uh, we've just got some highlights for, well, next few weeks on TV. We've got some highlights coming up for the next couple of weeks on TV, because as I mentioned, this will be the last show of 2023 for us. First up, we've got Percy Jackson and the Olympians coming to Disney Plus on the 20th of December, which is the new show based on the uh, Percy Jackson book franchise that will be coming to Disney Plus. That might be worth checking out. Over on ITVX, we have The Winter King, which we've mentioned a few times. It's uh, this sort of Arthurian legend series based on the Bernard Cornwell's Lawwood Chronicles. That's coming to ITVX on the 21st of December. What If returns to Disney Plus for season two on the 22nd of december and then they're dropping them out daily i think is the plan for that so they're going to be like a little christmas present every day then you've got star trek prodigy which is landing christmas day on netflix that's for the season one season two will be coming next year but if you haven't had paramount plus and you wanted to check out star trek prodigy it's an animated series technically aimed at a younger audience but if you're a fan of voyager go and watch it it is a really well put together story. Yes, it is a little bit younger skewed in the same way that kind of those early seasons of Star Wars Clone Wars were, but also in the same way of Clone Wars, it has a lot in it for the oldest Star Trek fan as well. So I would really urge you to go and watch that if you're a fan of Star Trek, but Star Trek Prodigy on Netflix, 25th of December for that. Vera has a new special coming on the 26th of December. That's the uh, ITV Detective. 26th of December at 8pm, Brenda Blethyn returns as DCI Vera. Harley Quinn, as you mentioned earlier, the Valentine's special, which was supposed to air at the start of this season, E4 being E4, have put it at the end of this season. I have no idea why, other than the schedulers are drunk as usual, but 29th of December at 3.15am that will be out. It will be on your series link if you've series linked it on whatever system you're using, but the Valentine's special is airing. It's just going to be at the end of the season, which is annoying because it's going to be out of order, but it's E4. What do you expect? Kaylee Cloak, who's also sticking around on Sky Max on the 29th of December, that's at 9pm. She's back with based on a true story which is her new series i have seen this i think it's brilliant and really funny and very very fun if you liked the flight attendant it's very much got that sort of same comedic dark thriller thing going on it's weird and uh, it's about true crime a couple that are in trouble financially start up a true crime podcast and there is also a serial killer running around in la really really liked this show it's been renewed for a second season but 29th of December at 9pm on Sky Max for that called Based on a True Story. And Men Up, which is a one-off drama. It's uh, from Russell T. Davis. He's producing it, although he's not written it. But it's a drama about the remarkable true story of the world's first medical trial 
Wales, in Wales, of the drug that went on to become Viagra. It looks like it's going to be quite funny and fun and have all those sort of hallmark Russell T. Davis type drama sort of things, even though, like I say, he hasn't actually written this, he's just producing it. 29th of December at 9pm for that on BBC One, and it's called Men Up. So go and check that one out as well. That's all the stuff we've got coming in December. There is, of course, a bunch of things, as we mentioned earlier, coming at the start of January. Rather than go through all that, go to the website at geektown.co.uk. You can go to the UK Air Dates page. You can go and check out what sort of stuff is coming in January. There is lots and lots of new shows back then. We've also still waiting on dates from a few bits and pieces as well, but uh, that will still be updated and will be changing over the next few weeks i'm sure we are going to be off for christmas we will be back in january i don't know exactly when yet it's probably going to be later than usual because i am going to be away on holiday for the start of january i will have some interview shows going out in the intervening period though so there will be some content going up for the first few weeks we're going to be back a little bit later than usual than we would be it's probably going to be towards the end of january for new episodes matt what about you where can people find you you can find my um content over on entertainmenttalk.org or your podcast platforms the same name quite a bit going on recently of course united cast stuff that's going to go on a break ended the year on a kind of a nice note with the draw against liverpool which is very difficult to even get a draw there these days so that went a lot better than we expected a lot better than we expected um but that was good uh gaming talk we'd covered the game awards and that kind of stuff there was five nights at freddy's review there was also uh, chicken run dawn of the nuggets come out after 23 years so i covered that which was good fun of course big podcast that me you and gray did our personal choices for the best and worst of the year yeah uh, tv games films and uh, other stuff as well that was a massive one but that's sort of the big one for the year also i let's say tried and failed to record a skit yesterday <laughs> right but what i decided to do because i put too much effort into it to a point to not cancel it or to get rid of it so i sort of combined a attempt at skit with the podcast that explained what it was because i couldn't physically do the skit because of reasons i explained uh so that will all make more okay. sense later i'll be putting that out the end at the end of the year so on the 31st just as a just take it as just a fun silly little thing which is what skits are but um yeah that, that was interesting to do classic reviews is ongoing at the moment as well that's wednesdays i got the first episode out which was for mission impossible one a month of positive creators also returns on the first of january as well so look out for all that stuff that's me yep so uh, go and check matt's stuff over at entertainment talk if you want to follow other people involved in the show you can of course find bex on twitch.tv forward slash trista bites that's b-y-t-e-s she's uh, still over there i think she's still raising money for for Samaritans, which is an incredibly important charity, particularly at this time of year. We know Christmas and New Year can be really difficult for some people. So if you're struggling, please, please reach out to somebody, whether it's the Samaritans, whether it's friends, whether it's family. There are lots and lots of other organizations out there. You are not alone. There are other people out there that understand what you're going through and can help. So please reach out to somebody. You are loved and people do care about you. Please go and reach out to somebody if you're feeling in a bad place you can go and help support charities like the Samaritans by going over to places like Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites and uh, she's raised a huge amount of money this year and so proud of the work she's doing over there and it's very very funny so go and check her out 
Other people involved, you can go to daryl.hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series that you'll love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geektown, YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geektown, Blue Sky at Geektown, Instagram at Geektown UK, TikTok at Geektown UK and threads at Geektown UK. That is everything. Have a wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year. We'll see you in January. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.